EMSradio.com. EMS information for the next generation. The EMS Garage is a production of EMSradio.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter at EMS Garage. Email us, emsgarage at gmail.com. Or call us, 303-720-6001. This episode of the EMS Garage is brought to you by Audible.com. Over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, and more. Get a free audiobook download for your MP3 or iPod. Just go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash EMS Garage. The EMS Garage. Okay, I got the DC on the phone there. Want to know if uh, you can handle that call as well? Just confirming you are checking the patient. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the EMS Garage. I'm your host, Chris Montera. We're back. We'd like to thank Greg Freeze for doing such a great job of hosting the Educast last week and becoming an EMS Garage podcast. So that was really good, and it was uh, timely, and he he always brings up great topics. So I can't do a good Greg Freeze and was kind of hoping to have him on tonight, but eh, well, who knows? Yeah, whatever. So uh, joining me tonight, as always, is my esteemed panel of guests, and we're going to talk about several things. We're going to talk about Indianapolis and their new EMS model. We're going to talk about what should we be, an EMT or a paramedic? You know, one of my favorite topics. And we're also going to talk about Detroit changing its emergency response model. And we all know Detroit's had some issues, so that'll be a, I think that'll be a lively and fun topic. So we'll probably go there first, and then we'll talk about EMT and paramedic last. So I'm Chris Montero, Geeky Medic on all those websites. You can find me, Facebook, Twitter, everything else if you wish. And just add me there as a friend. Not been Twittering much, but, uh, you know, even on my new droid, not, not Twitter, Twittering as much as I had thought. And, uh, but boy, we'd, we'd sure like to, um, invite you to, to join us over there. You can also follow us EMS garage. You can find it, find EMS garage on, on Facebook as well. And we're over 1100 likes or friends. I'm not sure which it is, but people like us and they're following. So that's a good thing. And I'm just very happy about that. We'd also like to announce officially tonight that the EMS garage crew, the medic cast crew and others, I think that uh, Kyle David Bates and a few other people are going to be at EMS today. And we're going to be back for our podcast studio sponsored by EMS Today. And we'd really like to thank them for supporting us. GEMS has been great. And they came alongside us and said, you know, we love what you guys do and we want you there again. So we'll be there, Carissa, me, and Jamie, and the entire gang. I think uh, Chris and Kyle for sure and anybody else that wants to come. Um, don't have money for everybody, but if you're going to come anyway, we'd love to have you. And we're going to we're gonna be doing podcast craziness. I think that, uh, I know Natalie Quibido is coming. 
Um, last I heard, Maris is also coming, if you know her from Twitter. And I think Ted is coming, Ted Setla. And uh, I'm not sure if Justin Shore is coming. He might be. And we'll have a bunch of people there, and it'll be a lot of fun. So if you're in the in the Northeast United States and want to come to EMS today, come join us there. You can see us. You can follow us. You can talk to us. You can come sit in on some podcasts. Heck, we might even invite you up on the show. And as always, I know we'll have some giveaways. I'll, I'll hit the EMS One guys up for some more T-shirts, and I'm sure we'll find some other things. Maybe I'll give away another EMS Monopoly there while we're, while we're out there since I have two copies of it. But, man, I really want one for myself, so... Who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll spend a couple bucks and buy one to give away. So, um, thanks for thanks for supporting us too. Um, first tonight, James Warmoth. How are you, sir? Doing good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a crazy week, but uh, you know, just got off of 36 straight, so I might be a little confused. <laughs> That's okay. I I never come off 36 straight, and I'm always confused. So you're okay. You're fine. You'll be, you'll be, you'll fit right in. <laughs> Thanks for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. Also joining us is Dr. Jeff Myers and Dr. Myers, you know, I didn't really realize that you worked for a level one trauma center until last week. Yes, that's correct. Good evening, uh, Chris. Uh, yep. I'm at the uh, level one trauma center in uh, Buffalo, New York. Very cool. How far is Buffalo from Ottawa? Mm, it's a, about I think it's about a six-hour drive, something like that. Okay. Uh, we're about two hours south of Toronto, uh, give or take, and I believe Ottawa is about another four hours. Um, unfortunately, you have to drive around Lake Ontario to to get there. There isn't a straight straight shot unless you have a boat. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Understandable. Well, I'm going to be. Um, I was invited to a meeting in Ontario, and I'll um, or sorry, in Ottawa. And I will be giving more information as we get closer. But sometime in April, I'll be going to Ottawa. So if you're a listener in Canada, can get into Ottawa, you're into Toronto area and want to come come out and see me, um, I'll be there for like four or five days. And uh, more on that meeting to come. It's really exciting. And it's big. I I hesitate to tell you, it's probably the biggest meeting in EMS that's ever occurred. So I'm just going to leave it at that and you can let your mind run wild. So, um, so hope what my hope was is maybe I could drive down to Buffalo, but it's kind of far. So maybe not <clears throat> and see you guys, but probably not going to happen. Cause I guess Tonawanda and Buffalo were very close to each other then, right? Uh, they're, they're right up against each other. So it's a, it's, oh, so Tonawanda is a quote unquote suburb. Of Buffalo, I don't know how how big is Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's got a population of somewhere a little over two hundred thousand. Ah. Uh, I don't remember the the square mileage. Um, the Western New York has about two million population in the in the in the region, the uh, the left hand side of New York State. Okay, gotcha. Very understandable. Well, uh, thanks for joining me, and thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you. Also joining us tonight is David Koenig. Hello, sir. Waiting for the for the snow apocalypse to continue in the Northeast. That's right. The uh, long strain of uh, warm and fuzzy weather that you uh, probably shipped out here from Colorado, since you can see your grass. Well, I can see my grass, but I'm at sixty six hundred feet, whereas Vale is eighty. 8,100 feet, and they just got a couple feet of snow in the past few days. So, you know, whatever. It is what it is. 
It's all good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm actually very happy. We're kind of in a donut hole this year, and we're not getting a lot of snow. So I'm actually yeah. No, we're 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 definitely not in a donut hole, or if we are, it's the hole that's getting all the snow because I think we've had more snow this year, which is only 20 days old, uh, than we had all of last year, and that's including the uh, the blizzard. So. Wow, that's pretty amazing. That's uh, I, I would imagine that that just becomes slightly annoying when you have, I don't know, 10 or 15 million people to deal with. So just sure that's pretty annoying. We don't just a little. It. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on tonight, and uh, can't wait to talk to you more about the, the topics tonight. Also joining us is Mr. Chris Sabalero. How are you, sir? I am doing awesome, Chris. How are you this evening? Good. The The forever host of the EMS leadership podcast and our, and taking that over for me. I really appreciate it. You do a great job over there. Uh, Thank what, you, what's been one of, one of your most recent topics? Well, we've uh, done a couple we've had uh, recently. We had a panel, Don Lundy, um, uh, Patrick Pianet. So we were talking about how to manage clinical ex- excellence, which I thought was a very interesting topic. Uh, we just finished one up with uh, Katie Holstein out of uh, Seattle, Washington, where we talked about the development and supervision of an FTO program, which I think you guys will find really interesting. And we're trying to get a group together to discuss how to manage change. You know, we all try to get into the process of trying to better our organizations. And I, I really like to take a different spin on this when we do it and have four four folks to talk about if you were a new manager or a new leader walking into an organization and you had to have some change you know there's some challenges within the organization and now you've got to kind of set it up to where you're going to bring change to the organization and we'll give them different scenarios and the other two guys will talk about you're an existing leader and you want to implement some change how much more difficult would that be and i like to give them some scenarios as far as these are the issues that the organization has how are you guys going to address them and i think that we talk about a lot of theory and this may be a good opportunity just to see really get into the crux of specific problems so i'm really kind of excited to do that next week right on very cool well you guys are tackling some cool issues over there and i'm glad you have time to do it um I've really missed that podcast, and I'm just so excited every time I get to hear one. And, and I know we get a lot of good input on that. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate oh, sure. It. It's been real fun. Right on. And then finally joining us tonight, the, the host of all those other awesome podcasts, like First Few Moments and PDU, and I don't know if he's doing any others, but the awesome designer himself, Kyle David Bates. How are you, sir? Good. How's everyone doing tonight? Great. We're great. Uh, apparently, you're not getting as much snow as New York City, or maybe you are. I don't know. Oh, not all at once. We're not too worried about it. You know, five to six inches here is a, a simple two or three hour snowfall. Well, that's not so terrible, I guess. Nah. Uh, well, and I was telling everybody earlier, I said, you know, I'm going to um, Ottawa. In yeah, why are you going to Ottawa? Well, that's a secret thing i got to talk about later on but gotcha. it's it i said it's going to be the biggest meeting in ems ever ems history ever and I'm going, how's your french i don't know a lick of french no i i, I know nothing we oui, that's pretty much it yeah. great yeah 
So uh, hopefully, other hopefully, hopefully they'll just know I'm a dumb American and I only speak one language, and they'll figure that out. So hopefully it's okay. But I was Order hoping to, I was actually hoping to get to you guys, but didn't realize it was so far, like six hours. So I guess I'm not. Yeah, because you have to actually fly over us. Yeah, darn. Well, oh well. Um, but but we were also talking about EMS today, and you're going to be there and doing some podcasts. We hope. Uh, I have not heard anything. No. Oh, you're not going. No. Oh, darn. Well, no, I didn't hear anything about anything. Oh, well, we'll talk after the show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, We're going no to problem. EMS today. Woo. <laughs> well, we hope to have Kyle there and we know we have some other podcasters coming as well. So we, um, if Kyle, you're coming and we can figure out a way to, you know, get some good room rates or whatever for you, let me know. We can figure that out because uh, we'd love to have you in the podcast studio sponsored by Gems and EMS today. When we're out there. Um, so, up first, Detroit changes emergency response model. And we've all talked a little bit, and then we really talked about this on the EMS prediction show. Prediction? Prediction? Prediction. Sorry, I sound like you, James. Sorry, just teasing. <laughs> Love you, man. Uh, prediction show. And we really talked about that and said, um, something's got to give. That system is in dire straits. Well, Along came January 3rd. Apparently, they listened to the podcast. Who knew? No. And they changed their model. They um, they do about 130,000 calls a year. So just a few. And they said that about 65,000 of them really don't need, or 65% of them probably are more non-emergent or um, maybe BLS in nature. So they've decided to take six of their units and turn them into basic life support. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, is that, is that a good model to move to? Are they, or I'm sorry, eight units, eight units, declassifying eight units to be LS units. Is that a good model to go to where you have more of this tiered structure and you can really, um, utilize the ALS response better um, I don't know. What do you guys think? They they do I, they do one hundred thirty thousand calls with twenty two ambulances. That blows me away. That seems like not enough. But that's I, I think it is a good model. I think that's a, a that's a model that I was introduced to recently, where we work. Uh, they've become since then they've become ALS ambulances, but they were BLS before that, and we were the ALS, and we would look at a patient, and based on criteria, we'd say this patient's going to go BLS. We we don't do courtesy IVs, we don't do the courtesy workups. Uh, we will only transport ALS if the ALS care is going to make a difference. I think I think this new model is absolutely uh, great. Um, the only thing I worry about is you know you're taking an MICU truck and downgrading it to a BLS level truck. Is you know if, if we're adding resources by adding extra trucks that are BLS only, absolutely. But I'd be worried about it if we were taking away MICU trucks to drop them down to BLS. And that's that's actually the exact problem with what Detroit's doing. The model itself, um, you know, New York City has a has a tiered model just like that, um, and the model itself, you know, works and it, it reserves your ALS resources for your quote unquote uh, level one, level two, level three, or alpha, beta, Charlie priority calls. However, uh, but what Detroit is basically doing is. They're taking, out of their 22 units, they're taking eight of them, and they're going to put two EMTs onto those units. Um, now, those the 14 ALS units, to compensate for the fact that they're now putting 
two EMTs onto those eight units. They're now going to put two medics on their ALS units. But there's no increase in the number of actual units. And they're also not increasing their manpower. They're not hiring extra medics. Because now if you're going to have a system where it's double medics on, on a truck, and you're running 14 trucks where you were EMT paramedic, now you need 28 paramedics as opposed to the 14 paramedics that you originally had. So the the idea is, you know, it's the right idea, but the way that they're doing is is just shuffling the deck, and it's the wrong way to go to go about it, and it, it's going to end up failing. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with um, with that as a incorrect approach. I mean, it, and again, this is this is speculation because we're not on the inside, and we don't have the inside number. But if you have a system which actually is, uh, they run about twice the number of calls in the city of Buffalo. Roughly the same percentage, however, are BLS transport. Um, if they're handling that with 22 ambulances, I'm not so sure that without adding more ambulances that they're not that they're going to be less effective. I guess but- is the end result. You know, if you know, they're if they're utilizing a you know, a priority dispatching system, you know, whichever system they choose to use, and it looks like in the article there was some concern about that, but if they are using a priority dispatch system and they're dispatching the closest BLS unit for a BLS call, ALS unit for an ALS call, you know, then I'm not sure you necessarily need more units. Now I think they're going to give this a month trial to see where this goes. Because I'm not sure that anybody knows the answer. You know, so I, I, again, I don't know. I, I don't know if I totally agree that this is the wrong way to go about it without adding more units on. And I think one of the things you have to consider, and not being on the inside, is you know you talk about 22 units. Is that 22 units at once or at its peak? And we don't really know what the demand analysis says as far as when those units run. But I do have to agree that there should be more units to handle 130,000 calls. But without knowing how that demand is, 22 may be the peak to handle that demand as well. But one of the things I think that any time, I, I find it a little problematic. Uh, when you have double, you know, I don't see the need for double paramedic trucks. I think that when you run multiple calls and you're running 19 calls in a 24-hour period, it's good that you're able to swap, swap ALS calls out and you have two paramedics to do that. If you have 65% of your calls that are BLS in nature, you're putting two ALS providers on a truck, I think it's a little overkill. It's easier to train. It's easier to bring in EMTs to the system. And one of the things I found that was very interesting here is they have 176 personnel that budgeted for 221 personnel. It seems that you'd want to increase the amount of ambulances you're putting on the street. You want to break up the double paramedic trucks. You want to put more EMTs in the seats. And you want to be able to ensure that regardless of the call, BLS or ALS, you're definitely sending the right ambulance at the right time to ensure you're delivering the highest quality of patient care. And I'm with you. I think that this model, they're going to look at it in 30 days to see if it was effective. Uh, I just can't see it happening. Well, the Buffalo has actually gone to something like this. Uh, the service in Buffalo has a large number of BLS units, and then they use paramedic uh, ambulances to either supplement or they bring paramedic chase cars in supervisors to go to the calls uh, on those. And 
I don't think it's such a bad system to have BLS units and then have the ALS coming in. That would be the one thing to look at is that they respond the BLS units in addition to the ALS units to some calls. Because even if it's prior dispatch, a lot of these calls, you know, I'll go for an alpha, you know, a low, a low grade call that turns out to be ALS and go out for something that is, you know, a Charlie or Delta, you know, a higher emergency call that turns out to be nothing because a lot of times they have trouble breathing. Oh, yeah, sure. They're always having trouble breathing. And you get there and they're really not. And I think a lot of these calls could be very well looked at as BLS runs to the, you know, to the hospital. You're working in an urban system. You don't have a large uh, transport time. And, and really, and I, I hate to bring this up, but is ALS always effective? I don't think the, the issue is, is whether the system works or not, but I think it's the way that they're doing it. The way, the way that they're deploying the tiered system. If you're going to say that 65% of your calls are non are quote-unquote non-emergency, and again, you, using that term, you, you really need to consider the, the perspective of, of, well, okay, who's dialing 911? To the person dialing 911, it is an emergency. But let, let's say that, that those are BLS calls. Then wouldn't you turn around and make 65% of your ambulances BLS? But they've done just the opposite. They, they've only made 35%. They've only converted 35% of their trucks over to BLS ambulances to handle 65% of the calls. Yeah, but I wouldn't make that change right away. I mean, I, 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 if I was king for the day in, in, in that system, I wouldn't make that change right away. I would do it. I, I do it in small steps to make sure that we're going in the right direction. Um, I do agree with you and the other uh, uh, individuals who mentioned that it's it's not a good idea. I think to 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 put a double medic crew together or, or create a double medic crew. Obviously, they were handling their, their ALS calls okay with a single medic, single EMT model, which is what the article describes. Um, I always get concerned with the double medic crews or with increasing your number of paramedics that you get into skill dilution, uh, where a lot of the high-risk, low-frequency skills like intubation end up becoming more diluted uh, by having you know, more, more of a concentration of providers. Jeff, you know, I mean, I can definitely see your point on that, but I think for the patient care, and again, we can go through multiple studies that show good and bad depending on who did the study, that I worked in, I'm working in a system now that we're double medic, and it's, I'll tell you, it's nice to have that second medic there. I think the low-frequency skills are so low-frequency we're not doing them, but to have that extra hands to throw a 12-lead on as you're doing an IV and giving drugs, I think that's always beneficial, and I think it helps speed up the care the patients receive. Yeah, but so, some, of the, some of those things, though, you know, a well-trained uh, EMT can, can definitely put on your 12-lead uh, EKG for you and acquire the EKG and hand it to you to read. You know, re, re, you know regardless of uh, of uh, state rules, scope of practice, and stuff. You know, we're pulling people off the streets in the ER to train them how to do how to pull EKGs. So there's no reason why a uh, uh, you know a, a trained EMT can't do that. Uh, no reason why the EMT can't spike spike the bag for you while you're looking for the vein. Those type of things. I mean, I worked in a in a single single metal EMT system. And it, it it didn't. We didn't see any issues, uh, patient care wise, by not having, uh, you know, a, a another pair of hands there, ALS pair of hands. Um, we would send another bus on uh, another ambulance on codes, though, realizing that 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 is a situation where we found it useful. But otherwise, for the most 
to your ALS calls. It's not needed. I also think history gathering is an important aspect in assessment, having an additional ALS provider there. And it may be the, the paramedic in charge may not be doing the actual hands-on skills, but do more of the of thinking, more of the, the, the team leader role and obtaining history and information from families and from patients. I think that's where the benefit comes in. Uh, as, again, no, there hasn't been you know, there hasn't been a definitive study in in, in this area. Uh, there's no literature to say one versus two, other than the issue of skill dilution. It's all anecdotal, but you know, you know, having worked in a high performance EMS system and using a paramedic in a basic truck, you know, we were always ensured that we were going to have the right crew at the call, regardless of what it is. Uh, when you talk about uh, a tiered system, uh, there were a lot of times that we would consider is a tiered system the best for the citizens that we serve. And then you try to play with the, and I know a lot, especially in the Northeast, you find a lot of, um, t you find a lot of tiering. New York City runs it uh, as well as you have paramedics and uh, running in fly cars and so on and so forth. But when you start to think about budget and when you start to think about running a system like that, one of the ways that I, I think that it's going to work if you try it is regardless of the call and if you send the basic unit and it winds up being an ALS call, if you're going to send ALS intercept, you should have just sent a paramedic in the first place and kind of just went with that paramedic basic truck because now what you're doing is you sent a BLS truck, now you've got a paramedic in a chase car, you've got two paramedics in an ambulance, and now you're sending them to the call. You know, you're kind of, it's overkill. So from the very start, you want to consider ensuring that you have the highest level of care going to every single call because a lot of calls we go to, uh, you get is, is chest pain and shortness of breath when actually they bang their knee on the table. But there are the calls of abdominal pain that work out to be uh, MIs or eventually cardiac arrests. I think the liability is high, uh, and especially if there's – the high level of care isn't going to be there, I think it becomes very problematic. Chris, you know, I agree with you. And, you know, I found we actually send the, you know, the transporting unit than us at the same time. And I think it's actually easier to downgrade the call. So you, you go for that, that chest pain, turns out to be the bump knee, you turn it over to the BLS crew, and now your ALS crew is back in service. And if you do the other way around, you're now stuck with that BLS crew or the ALS crew taking a BLS patient, and most likely in some systems, that BLS patient is going to be a low priority when they go to the ER. So, they're going to be, so that ALS crew is going to be tied up for a longer period of time um, because of being a low priority patient. We see that a lot in Buffalo. I, 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 think, you gotta, I think it depends on the, the individual service area, the, the topography, and, and a lot of those variables. Um, the the service that I had, had worked for, we covered a very small urban area, but a, a large rural area. You know that that's the type of a system where having BLS ambulances and ALS ambulances in a tiered type system isn't going to work very well, just because the response times are are, are quite a bit longer. You know, whereas conversely, a very heavily urban area that might work well because your nearest ALS may end up being your hospital. Um, so I think I think it's something that each individual system needs to look at through their dispatch times, their their call indicators. Um, Toronto did a uh, 
a nice study a couple of years back where they looked at their call indicators. Uh, and, and again, they had the luxury of being able to do that because they dispatched themselves. They had electronic records. They were able to match the call indicators for the individual calls with the interventions that were performed on that call. And they identified the call indicators on dispatch that had a high likelihood of being ALS calls, and those were the ones that they sent the ALS units to. The ones that had a low likelihood of being an ALS call, that's who they sent the BLS units to. And they ended up they found that they, by doing that analysis of their system, their specific system, they ended up cutting down on response times quite a bit, and they were able to match up ALS and BLS a lot better. So I, 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 it's hard to – I don't think we can make generalizations. I think you have to look at your system. Well, and I've been, um, I've been privileged to be able to ride along with the Toledo system and uh, Lucas County and some other places in Ohio where they do have – ALS response and then BLS um, private providers basically that come in and will handle transports that are considered that after the crew gets there and are de- deemed non-emergent, they'll turn it over to the other crew. Um, it has its good and bad points, and I think that you could make any system work. I think, you know, I was just going through the Detroit model here, <clears throat> and with 176 personnel, they should be able to staff 29 ambulances. Um, every day, and they can only staff 22. Is that only because they have 22 ambulances, and that's their problem? Do they need more equipment? I know they. There's been articles recently about um, Detroit ambulances breaking down and catching on fire, things like that. So, you know, maybe that's the other piece. I mean, Detroit is in a very dire, dire situation. Let's not forget about that too. That their their budget and their. Um, I was just reading a story on Yahoo about. Um, the home foreclosures and their unemployment rate. I think they're number one in the country in Michigan. So let's not forget that it's really um, bad there. And I think back to the 80s when in Detroit it was bad because of all the drugs. And and now we have many of those same issues, but it's because people are so destitute. And that to me is really sad. So, you know, I... I at least applaud that they're looking at it. I think that maybe um, it's the wrong approach. They uh, perhaps maybe need a few more ambulances versus adding just BLS units. And the other thing that I always take people to task on, when is it considered ALS? Is it, you know, is it ALS because you don't do an ALS assessment? Is it ALS because... You know, whatever. I I think that oftentimes we overlook ALS because we can take care of pain, and we we don't allow people to be um, to really to take care of their pain, and and we as providers need to learn that, and we need to be able to get people to a very comfortable place for what can be tantamount to a very bumpy ride. Um, the uh, what we talked about many a few episodes ago the the large f four fifty for the hundred pound um elderly lady with a hip fracture, probably not necessarily the best tool for the job, but we should be willing to make sure we have some sympathy and empathy for where she's at and so anyway i i don't know i mean i I can't come up with the right answer here, but man, I just wanna i wanna take over that system so I can just pull the low-hanging fruit there. I mean, it just seems, it seems easy from an outsider perspective. I'm sure once you're entrenched in it, it's probably not as easy. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that anytime you, uh, you know, it, it's you, when you talk about Washington D.C., you talk about Detroit. They're having a lot of challenges, and you know, one of the things that I find very interesting is that they're having challenges with response times as well. And I don't know the change in the model and allowing you to bring in maybe one or two different trucks is really going to assist that. You know, I, I want to think about something here. We're talking about 130,000 calls a year. Um, if you break that down, that could be 350 to 375 calls a day, almost 17 calls an hour. And hopefully they're running some type of system status there to where if they're on an hour's task time, these guys aren't stopping. Uh, so I think there's a lot of things that have to be addressed. Uh, but the first thing is sending the right crew to the right call at the right time. Okay. Any other thoughts on this subject? And we'll move on to naming EMTs. Maybe we'll do that last. I don't know. We'll probably do Indianapolis first, and then we'll go last for naming EMTs. Last thoughts. Going once, going twice. Okay. Well, while we're in between the topics, I would like to talk to you about somebody that you all know and love, and that's Audible audible.com. If you like to listen to books, if you like to listen to things while you're driving, working out, doing whatever, I you need to subscribe to audible.com. And they have so many books, 85,000 titles, every genre, sci-fi, which is one of my actually one of my favorites. Horror, not one of my favorites, but uh there are people that love that. Um Stephen King, am- amazing writer. So um, and well narrated on Audible. So if you like books and you, or you just like to listen to things because you're bored, um, or you just want to be um, more engaged and you you have time in your day to really just relax, that's when I like to listen to Audible books myself is when I just want to turn off my mind and think about something else, Audible is the way to go. So get one free book, 14-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash EMS Garage, and we will give you that one free book. No strings attached. 14 days, you're done. You keep the book. You you listen to it forever. You move it to your iPod, MP3 player, Zoom, whatever you want. You can you can move it to whatever you want, and, and it's great. So audibletrial.com forward slash EMS Garage. And I really appreciate them for for coming forward and saying, you know, we like what you guys do over DMS Radio. They contacted us. They came to us out of the blue and said, we want you guys to to do this. So help us and help Audible as well. Go subscribe right now, audibletrial.com forward slash EMS Garage. And we normally do book picks at this point, but uh, we're running a little long, so we'll do that next time. And uh, I just would like to talk about the Indianapolis new EMS model. And I find it kind of funny because really it's not a new EMS model. Um, in fact, I think I made a made an interesting point in the in the email I sent to everybody that, well, it's public safety. And what they're doing is splitting it up into three different issues. But So we read this on gems.com this week. And it was a merger between EMS and fire. And they wanted to merge. But then, all of a sudden, everybody went, well, why don't we come up with this idea where EMS can stand on its own as one of the parts of public safety? So 
they basically formed a public safety department division, something like that, and department, and brought the fire department, the police department, and EMS all under that one structure. What I think it's what's neat about it is they each have their own separate voice, and while they're competing a little bit for funds, um, it's an interesting way to look at it. So Guy Haskell wrote this and I'm interested on everybody's opinion on this. Is this, could this be the way of the future for EMS to really be seen as one of the three parts of the, of the whole public safety thing? Or are we still too worried about healthcare and public health? I mean, I'm, of course I'm always open to this topic because I love it and it's one of my favorite debating points. I definitely think this is the way to go. I think you've got fire municipal, you've got police municipal. Why not have EMS municipal? You know, the bottom line is to take care of these folks. We're out there, we're seen, we're uniformed along those along those aspects. So, yeah, I, I, I applaud them. I think it's a great move to bring them all under one service since they all have to work together anyways. Uh, it'll be easier to, hopefully, easier to handle problems uh, and to get a better working relationship. You know, I think a lot of the times uh, EMS services are trapped underneath the fire departments that they work through. And so I think this this sounds like an excellent model because they all work together, but they each have their own voice. They're each uh, competing for their own, you know, for their own interests. You know, when we talk about uh, third cities or third city services or whatever it is, you know, I think to a to a paramedic to EMT, you know, it's kind of the holy grail to, uh, you know, kind of get hooked up into the city system, and you know, everybody worries about retirement and a EMS career field or a stepping stone. And I think when you have the opportunity to have a third city service, uh, a lot of great models out there that do it. You know, I think that that's where EMS should be. A lot of times, you really don't see that unless you're in the bigger cities. And I think that when you have, uh, you know, the the mom and pop EMS stores, or you have a, a smaller uh, district that you run, I think they become a little bit more problematic. Um, but you know, a lot of people, a lot of my peers think that the you know the healthcare reform is going to be the uh, the gift to EMS. Where I think that it's going to be more. Uh, it's not going to be as lucrative as, as people seem to think it's going to be because I think now we're going to have to prove our worth. And I think that a lot of the monies that we're going to receive is going to have to be proven more than just given because now more people have health care. I think eventually we're going to have to see some state or some city funding because we're not going to be able to sustain. If that's the case, it, it's best to be part of a, a public safety model. Yeah, I, th- I think the news that came out of Indianapolis was probably the the best news that I've heard in a long time. Um, you know, EMS has a as a third service, a, an equal uh, third service, and you know they are partnered in, in in the Indianapolis model with the fire department and the police department under uh, this one uh, umbrella um, <coughs> organization. I, I think that that's that's definitely a the way to go you know do do we belong to public health or do we belong to public safety is a is a long-running debate and uh, you know i think ultimately you know the uh insurance of public uh health is, is a public safety issue um so 
they're they're definitely tied together uh, on a on a multiple number of levels, uh, and I think that the Indianapolis model is is a, a refreshing change as compared to what we normally hear about, which is, oh, well, EMS is going to get merged into a fire department, or uh, they're going to shut down EMS, and it's going to, you know, go out to a contract. The, I think the fact that Indianapolis is taking these steps and, and made these moves, and it wasn't just within the city. There were also some other independent fire department EMS uh, divisions that got folded into it as well to and uh, the hospital based service you know all merging as one is is uh you know it's it's a great model it, w- what actually happens with it of course remains to be seen and uh you know hopefully uh, they'll be able to make it work and it'll become a, a model for other uh cities and uh districts to uh copy and just to point out Louisville uh, did a similar thing about six years ago, seven years ago. I can't quite remember when, but uh, Louisville back in the in the uh, early 90s, um, maybe late 80s, early 90s, was a third service excursion to the fire department somewhere in the mid-90s. And then um, it, for them, it was not working. Uh, so in the early 2000s, maybe 2001, 2002, they, uh, they actually went through a similar process to what Indianapolis did. Um, yeah, I, I, I. This is the model that I um, have a, a preference towards or a bias towards. Um, un- unfortunately, I've, I've witnessed uh, the negative aspects of, of uh, uh, EMS under the fire service, and I, 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 it, it's something that with putting EMS on an equal footing with. Uh, fire and police, I think, ends up helping to serve that um, that duty towards public health a lot better uh, than if it's under one of the other two services. Um, it, it, the, when it's under the, any of the other two services, there's always competition for budget, competition for, uh, for mission, and that really, having it out as a third service really clearly defines what the mission is uh, for that service, and that's the health care uh, for the citizens in that area. Can I ask the the obvious question? Could this turn into another Detroit where eventually we have issues where uh, people aren't people are dying because they have been so undercut and underfunded? Um, I think they make an interesting point in the article that clearly eighty percent of the calls in the calls for service in Indianapolis are EMS in nature. However, when you put that up against the police numbers, because um, as Skip Kirkwood always says so eloquently, cops are out there looking for trouble and they can pull call numbers for whatever. Whereas EMS, we and fire, we have to be told that there's a problem and then we go to it. So um, I know even in our community, I think you know all the EMS calls combined are probably... 4,000 calls a year in the area, whereas the law, local law enforcement calls are into the 90,000s because that's how many CRs they pull. So to me, that's, you know, when people go, oh, well, those guys do way more calls. I think you have to look at what were truly emergency calls versus 
things that they went, I contacted this guy, so I need to pull a CR for it. You know, that, that gets counted against their number. So, or maybe we just need to do that in EMS. Every time somebody calls the office, we just count it as a CR. I don't know. But anyway, I, I just want to see, I mean, how do you guys feel? I mean, could this be another Detroit in the making or is it truly a different model? I think one of the things you have to think about is, you know, hope is not a tactic. One of the things that we got to do, all of us that have the opportunity to be leaders, is we've got to have the forethought, we've got to have the strategic planning to bring ourselves and our, our departments the resources necessary to be successful. Uh, you know, Detroit can be successful. Washington is starting to show that we can, they can be successful. So one of the things that we have to look at is whether you start to merge with the fire departments, whether you start to go into third city services, it really comes down to the fact that we have to have great strategic planning. We've got to work our strategic plans and we've got to give our organizations the best opportunities to be successful. Um, Nobody wants to fail at what they're doing. And it's amazing that, you know, you have a city who has some budget problems that are saying, you know, we can't meet our response times. You know, we can't find the staffing to do uh, the job that we need to. Um, I, I think that we have to be able to look ahead uh, and say, what do we need to do to be successful? Because this is what our citizens deserve, and we need to head in that direction. I think as far as, uh, you know, with, with Indianapolis, um, what's important is that it's going to be on an equal footing. Now, they say that in the article, and uh, a lot of times that doesn't necessarily happen. And that's that's really going to be dependent upon, I think, the success of the system. If, if it's actually viewed as a third service and it's on an equal footing with uh, fire and police, and I understand the whole thing regarding, uh, you know, call volume and all that. But I mean, at the same time, what you what you need to do is is uh, look at the bigger picture. An ambulance call can take sixty minutes. Uh, you know, a call from an informant can take two minutes. That kind of thing. Um, you know, time management uh, and stuff like that. So, I, I think that if it's an actual third service on equal footing, I, I think that it, it definitely can be successful. I think that the problem that you see in Detroit is that EMS was not uh, a third service. It was a service under another service. And I, I'm sure just as uh, we see in other places, um, you know, it's not, you know, given the same priority as uh, the primary focus of that parent organization. Uh, in this one, the 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 goal is is pretty clear. It's to provide good EMS service, uh, good patient care, and uh, you know, as long as they're on equal footing, they should be able to fulfill it. You know, I'm more worried about New York City going down uh, a path that Detroit is going down um, right now. I'm more worried about New York City doing that in two or three years with with the budget cuts and and uh, everything that's going on here, then I would be worried about Indianapolis, which has taken this initiative to, you know, take out their, you know, what, what they consider vital city services and, you know, put them shoulder to shoulder, so to speak. You know what's funny, Dave, is I was – David, sorry. Dave, Dave, what do you like to – is it David? Which do you like? My mother calls me David. You do too, but I don't mind David. But Dave is absolutely fine. All right. So – Dave, um, 
it's funny because I was going to ask you about the New York City system because I've heard this kind of general rumbling from that area of the country where eh, it's not working out as well as we thought. It could be better. Um, maybe it was a service improvement for the area. I don't know. But um, what I do like about the Indianapolis system is A, well, there are several things. One, I like the, one or A. I'll go with one. One, they um, have turned each individual agency into its own. So you have Indianapolis PD, so IPD, Indianapolis Fire, IFD, Indianapolis EMS, IEMS. So that to me is huge. They have their own identity. That's that's number one. Number two, each of them are sep- are are represented by a separate union. Not really a union guy because I don't know much about them. But I can tell you that I think that that puts them on equal base to get the better pay and and to get equivalent benefits. And I think what it also does is put everybody in the same pay scale. So if you're an EMT, maybe you're just like a patrol officer. And if you're a paramedic, maybe that makes you like a corporal in the police department. I don't know. But I think that it will open up some interesting doors for them and... I can't wait to see what happens. I really, I really can't wait to see it. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if other, other places go to that and other places that have incorporated EMS into the fire department. Are they willing to kind of give it up and say, you know, this thing needs to be on its own because we don't like it so much. It's kind of weird. And those, those medical people are odd. So we just want to give it up. So maybe, maybe it could be kind of the wave of the future for us. I don't know. You know, that's the thing that, that's that's the thing that really excites me about this because especially in my area a lot of the a lot of the 911 providing services are based underneath the fire department and it's just a it's just a personal opinion of mine uh, it's not a political opinion in any way shape or form but i think the ems systems could do a lot better if if they had direct control over their own funding instead of being controlled by the fire department yeah also the other the other thing too is each each of those three fields has a lot of depth to them there's a lot of training that's involved i i mean i've never worked on the fire service end of the house and, and have no interest in running into burning buildings but i i can't imagine it being easy keeping up both your medical knowledge to be an emt or paramedic in addition to your operational knowledge to be a firefighter specialist. I, I would think it would be very difficult to do that. Same thing, keeping up uh, uh, keeping up what you need to become or to be a, an effective police officer. So I think that's another, another reason why uh, it, it's good to have a, a, a three-service system because you can focus on that based upon what your job, what your job is. Well, I love it, and I think it kind of naturally flows into our last topic of the evening, which is EMT or paramedic. Recently, our good friend, Mister, I don't, he's a he's a lawyer, so we can't call him doctor. So, Mister Skip Kirkwood, um, although he has a Juris doctorate, so kind of weird. Anyway, so he did a large survey of EMS providers in the nation and asked us what we wanted to be called well it's no it's no doubt or it's no i guess it's no surprise that unfortunately there was no clear answer 
25.4% of the people said EMTs. 21.3% of the people said paramedic. 12.5% said medics. Um, 0.04% said ambulance drivers. And then there's the odd other of 0.03, which meant none of the above. I want to know who those people are and what they had come up with. Um, you know my thoughts on this. I think that we need a name that defines us, and we've never had it. And the new national curriculum and AEMT, EMT, paramedic just adds more confusion. One of the answers was EMS paramedics, EMS medics, pre-hospital professionals, emergency workers. You know what's weird is emergency workers actually ranked fourth at 8.6%. Pre-hospital practitioners, terrible name. First responders, so glad that was 1.4. EMS officers, 1.2. Ambulance drivers. You know what? Ambulance officer was actually below ambulance driver. So what are you guys' thoughts? Um, Nick, um, our friend Nick Nudell, who's our good friend and uh, often friend of the EMS garage, emailed me back and said, you know, it would be interesting to redo this survey and to find out what the respondents are and then have them respond to the top four, three or four. Basically saying, if you're, okay, so you're an EMT. Now tell us which of these four you really like the most. You're a paramedic. Which of these four you like the most? Um, many people felt that there might be bias toward what we are already. And if you're an EMT, basic, perhaps EMT is what you want to be called. But if you're a paramedic, maybe your bias is to be called a paramedic. I will tell you that I've been all three current levels, EMT basic, EMT intermediate, and EMT paramedic. And in the, in Colorado, EMT intermediate is pretty much a paramedic. Um, it's paramedic without, uh, uh, you, except you have to call in for everything. Um, so we have a bit of a different scope of practice for intermediates here, but, um, I will tell you that I've always thought that we should have a one name paramedic. And it, I've thought this for, I've been in EMS 22 years. So I've thought it for 20, 20 of those years. It's been my feeling that we should all be called paramedics. Um, now I have a way to tell everybody that I want that. But uh, So what are you guys' thoughts? I mean, A, was this a good survey? And B, um, is, it, uh, is it telling that we really don't have a good quotient of people that really want to talk, tell us who we are? Or, well, or in our industry, we just continue to bite and backstab each other? Well, you know, I think probably the first thing is uh, I find the study quite interesting, but I don't think there's enough data there to really say whether I whether I like it or not. Um, me personally, I, I'm in that small little group that, that goes with medic camp. Um, I, I, I really just like the term medic. Um, but I, I did want to bring something up, and we can certainly talk about this after everyone gives their opinion, but uh, the, the Canada system, from what I understand, they have your, your EMTs are primary care paramedics, and your your advanced level are advanced care paramedics. So you're still paramedics. You just differentiate whether you're primary care or advanced care. And I kind of like that. 
I'm in the the camp with James as far as preferring medics and you know, uh, maybe that's because of my fifth grade reading level, or maybe that's because my uh, journalism minor told me that the majority of people don't read beyond a fifth grade reading level. I just thought medics was a was a better choice. Um, as for the actual um, poll, I understand what Nick is saying regarding, you know, are we biased towards what we are today and and stuff. And yeah, I, I could totally understand that. I can understand that people are proud to be paramedics. People are proud to be EMTs. Uh, you know, they're proud of what they are and, you know, therefore that's what they want. We, what I thought was, was more interesting um, about the poll, though, was how how far it reached because uh, I originally saw it in I think uh, EMS One dot com article or a tweet from them, and uh, it was also on the Gems Connect board, and I, I know uh, uh, somebody else had posted about it. So the word, word about the survey really, really got around. So there were a lot of responses. Um, you know, and I think that this is something that, you know, we, we definitely need to turn around and address. And it would be nice to see, um, you know, uh, something moving forward on uh, on this, perhaps uh, some sort of collaboration um, between the, the leadership and the management organizations to, to turn around and, okay, we have this initial survey, so maybe what we need to do is a deeper survey, uh, you know, and see that kind of collaboration between the, uh, the national organizations that you saw amongst, uh, you know, the uh, EMS media in getting this type of survey out and, and getting these responses so that, so that you actually do have this, this data. And I, I think that that's important that, um, you know, we, we get as much information as possible because really we're not talking about doing something hard because, you know, Skip turned around and, you know, his whole goal was to provide a name for the media to use. And so all you really need to do is just get a hold of the AP Associated Press and say, hey, listen, we're the National Association of Medics and, you know, along with our fellow organizations. And this is the term that we want you to use uh, when referring to EMS personnel. And the Associated Press will put it in their style book. And that's what a lot of people use. They use either the AP style book or the Chicago Manual of Style. And uh, from the uh, Chicago Tribune. And so once it's in the style book, it, it becomes a lot easier for uh, the media to turn around and start referring to that one name that we've, you know, all for the most part agreed upon and is is put forward by, you know, the national organizations as well as the EMS media based upon the feedback. Holy cow. I've never, you know, in all this debate, David, I've never heard anybody say that, that there is, I didn't even, I never even realized that there was a, a, a media Bible, if you will, of what people say. I, that to me is the solution and right, wrong, whether we come up with a name or not. So we, I think we have to identify ourselves as an industry. I think that would help. I think that would go a long way toward, towards solidifying us as, uh, you know, a viable place to be versus a stepping stone for other things. Um, but I will say that the media needs to know who we are and that they need to know what we always want to be called. And that to me is the easiest solution. Instead of trying to get 
um, four, five hundred thousand EMTs and paramedics in the United States to come up with what we want to be called. It's probably a lot easier to get the, I don't know, 40 or four or 500 outlets of media to agree to one thing, especially if there's only two real guides for that. That to me is so much easier. I mean, gosh, why have we been fighting this uphill battle all along? I've, I never knew that. And I guarantee I'm going to let Skip Kirkwood know that tomorrow because I think that um, while we probably can't come to a consensus on what we want to be called, I think we could come to a consensus on what we want the media to call us. And I think that those would be two distinct surveys. One of what do you want to be called as a professional? And what do you want to be known as in the media? And I don't know if police officers or law enforcement officers want to be called the cops, but they are. And unfortunately, um, you know, they aren't called law enforcement officers responded to the scene tonight. They're called many other things. And we should make sure that that vernacular is out there. Um, other thoughts? You know, I think even a bigger issue is who is the one? Who is the voice? Who is the organization that steps up and says, this is what we'd like to be called? You know, I think that there is so much egotism. And I don't know if you know this, but EMS is a very egotistical business. But I think there's so much egotism that's going on that no one can speak. There's no organization that can speak for everybody. And to say that, you know, the AP is now going to call us medics or the AP is now going to call us healthcare, whatever the, the term is, who's the voice for the EMS career field that steps up to say, this is what our career field wants to be called? I think even before that, even before we get into those, uh, what are we going to call ourselves as a career field, it would be great to have an organization that's one, you know, think about the American Medical Association, uh, the National American Nurses Association. You know, we have different organizations for EMS, but we need one true voice to step up and say, this is what we're all about. Well, I agree somewhat. Um, I think that the egos are going to be hard to overcome. Uh, but we all know what a nurse is. May not we may not necessarily care if they're uh, LPN or an RN or a BSN or an MSN or a uh, a um, uh, nurse practitioner. Well, those that 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 segment of the population does care. Sorry, but they're all nurses, doctors. Don't care if it's a proctologist. Don't care if it's a neurologist. Unfortunately, don't care if it's a veterinarian. They're all doctors. Just wanted to go there because I think that it's important to understand that we can, in our own industry, call ourselves something. But to the outside world, they should be called something else. And that that solidifies us as an industry. And I think we're getting there. It's just going to take more time. Okay. No, the thought. Yeah. The big question is, why does it have to be one one national organization? Why can't they all just turn around, get on a conference call, Skype allows conference calling, and say, hey, this is an issue that's been raised time and time again. These are the results of the poll. Does anybody want to turn around and do another poll? No? Yes? Okay, let's do one more poll. Let's do that. Do the poll so that you have more data about 
people's current certifications to either justify or, or not justify the fact that people have pride in what they are. Um, I don't think that's, that's going to change the actual results of uh, what Skip did. Um, you know, but wh- why do they have this, this problem about being able to work together? And I mean, literally, you saw this link, okay, uh, in EMS1.com. You saw it at EMS blogs. You saw it being tweeted. You saw it, you know, in different people's blog posts. You saw it in the GEMS forums, okay? And it morphed into a, a column on GEMS, okay? Did EMS1.com know that it was going to become a column on GEMS? Probably not. But you know what? This was something that, that they recognized as being important to the, the, the people that, that they're having conversations with to the responders, okay? And if these national organizations want to continue to, to turn around and represent responders, they need to open up a dialogue and start having the conversation with the responders to find out what's important to them. And not only have something that's, you know, a conversation with the responders, but also conversations with each other. Because, you know, ultimately, if, if we're going to turn around and we're going to say, you know, we are public safety or we are public health and, you know, we all know how an, how a, an MCI works. If the national organizations can't turn around and come together at a, you know, command post to you know, help solve these problems, then we don't need any of these national organizations. And trust me, responders are realizing that more and more every day. Good point. But how does everybody else feel about getting the vernacular to the people that report on us versus the uh, versus changing who we are as an industry? I mean, is that which is more important, or do we? Is it all equal? Well, if we if we don't do it as an industry, someone else is going to do it for us, and they likely already have. Um, it's just kind of interesting that that not quite. Ten years ago, uh, with the EMS Copa Project practice, they wrestled with the same same type of questions, and I believe originally it was suggested that uh, we 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 call ourselves something similar to what uh, is, is used in uh, in Canada, as uh, as James had uh, had mentioned, where everybody's a paramedic, and then uh, it's further subdivided into the different levels. All as I said, all I know is if we don't uh, define it. It's going to be defined for us, so we may not like it. Well, and I, I think that's unfortunate. I mean, ugh, it's unfortunate for us because that national scope of practice is out there. But on the other hand, maybe that's a good thing for the future. I don't know. I just, uh, I just continually bang my head against the fact that we now have a new version of an old thing that is now new. Instead of intermediate, it's advanced. I'm like bang my head um whereas in colorado we're not going to have four levels we'll have emt a emt emt intermediate and paramedic so yeah yeah one, the, one, of, the thing, one of the things i've always said is that you know i, I was with james man. I, I like the medic term but one of the things i always said we were all emts you know i mean whether you're a paramedic an intermediate a basic we all have those three letters in front of that uh, last letter, and we're all EMTs, and uh, you know I kind of like that too. Right on. So, any other thoughts? I think we're all on the same page that we just want to have one thing that we're called. Call us, call us Bada if you want. I don't care. 
<laughs> Call me anything, just not late for dinner, isn't That's it? Right. Yeah. Or or egos or whatever else we're, we're talking about. I don't care. Uh, call me butter. I think that's what I'll name the podcast now. <laughs> uh, well, that, that fits in very well with the subject, by the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it goes at least along with our chat room, so that's fun. Um, anyway, well, thank you guys very much for joining us tonight. Um, we'd like to thank audible.com for sponsoring us. Audibletrial.com forward slash EMS garage and EMS today. We'd like to thank gems for bringing us out there and having the EMS podcast studio. Um, it'll be a joint venture between Jamie Davis and I to bring you hours and hours of entertainment live from the show floor. Anyway. So thank you, Mr. Kyle, David Bates for coming on tonight. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me over at KyleDavidBates.com. Find me at PDU.com. Find me over at firstviewmoments.com, which will hopefully be recording here after this. Uh, whether or not we should be cutting apart cars or spend less time doing that and more time just getting them out. And uh, in a couple of weeks, I will be in Corden, Indiana, speaking at a uh, little conference they have there for Harrison County Hospital on February 5th. Very cool. I just realized we're over the hour, so I should have been gracious and let you go. You should have told me something. Oh, I'm waiting on my on my panel. They're oh, running cool. behind I, me. I, I completely understand where you, I understand your where you're coming from. Hey, uh, quick question, Kyle. Can we uh, bring you to Colorado for a safety conference? Sure. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna email you that information tonight because I think that it would be a good fit for us to have first few moments out here and talk about those things. It's good. Excellent. Right on, uh, Mr. James Warmoth. Where can people find you? They can find me at yellowrubberducky.squarespace.com. Very cool. Dr. Jeff Myers, where can people find you? Uh, I can be found at uh, www.photoemsdoc.com. That's P-H-O-T-O-E-M-S-Doc.com. Uh, also on Facebook and uh, starting to hit the conference uh, tour again with the first one in michigan at the end of april cool right on we'll have fun out there and oh and i'll, I'll be at ems today not speaking but uh, i'll be there so i'll definitely stop by uh, and hopefully join in on uh, the podcast there well i was gonna say can we can we have you on sure very cool i will i would uh, love to i'll add you to the guest list and we'll we'll start talking about topics um i forgot to also mention that i'll be at the north dakota uh gosh no, no, it's not an EMS conference. It's the Rural Health and Public Health Conference speaking about community paramedic in March. So if you know when that is or you need information about that, let me know. Or you want to come by and say hi and take me to dinner. Or, or maybe I'll take you to dinner. I don't care. Um, it could be a lot of fun. I'll be in Bismarck, North Dakota in March. Um, doesn't sound like a lot of fun. It sounds like either flooding, mud, snow, or a combination of all three. I'm not real sure, but uh, not sure what to expect, but I'm excited to go to North Dakota. I've never been there, so I'm excited. Uh, David Koenig, where can people find you? You know, I'm so tired of plugging myself, so <laughs> in honor of uh, your new droid, I'm, I'm going to recommend everyone go to droidmedic.com. That's D-R-O-I-D-M-E-D-I-C.com. It's all about using uh, your droid in EMS, and it just happens to be a, a member of the emsblogs.com network. So, quick question, Droid, do you know the Droid Medic? Have you met him? 
Yes, you know him too. I do. Yeah. Oh, have I met Sean Eddy? Oh, Sean Eddy. Okay, dude, I love that blog. I, I read yeah. it quite a bit. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, actually, I don't read much. Well, actually, I read a lot, but I don't read many of the blogs, but the ones I do, um, you've heard them on this show, so I'll just let you know that. Um, and finally, Chris Sabalero, where can people find you? I'm sitting right here on my couch, man. Come knock on the door. I'm here. No, that's, uh, <laughs> Buy me a beer. <laughs> that's right. Come on over to emsleadership.com. Uh, listen to some great leadership podcasts. Uh, of course, we got a new Facebook page. Come on and check that out and uh, join us there. If you guys want to get in touch, you can reach me at chiefems at gmail.com. Uh, and I uh, look forward to chatting with you guys real soon. Very cool. You know, and it's funny because I, we've had EMS leadership almost as long as we've had EMS garage. And quite honestly, I had never thought to have an, a Facebook page till this weekend. I'm so dumb. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm lame. And uh, I, it looks like people are liking it. So that's a good thing. It's a really good yeah. thing. Yeah, we we are uh, you know really happy with uh, you know we get we get emails and we get folks that are like who like the show and you know now we're getting folks to a Facebook page and you know you guys out there you know we really appreciate the uh, support you all give us and uh, and hopefully hopefully we bring you some really great uh, uh, subjects and entertainment and so you know keep sending those requests and those suggestions in because we value them very much. Very cool. And we, I do want to um, talk about one thing. Kimberly Spuler, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you did win something a few podcasts ago, so you have to get a hold of me, and I'll, I'll get that to you. Um, also, we had a little bit of fan mail this time and wanted to talk about it. Somebody wrote in and said, hey, you talked about organ donation. And, David, you were on that podcast as well with me. And they said, you should have had somebody on that knew about organ donation and, because you guys got it all wrong. And I went, well, that wasn't really the point of the podcast. But I understand there, there are very there are drastic, um, uh, there are a lot of feelings around that. So I want you to know, if you're listening, um, thank you for the comment. And we will strive harder to have people on when it's subject matter that we really want people to talk about. But that was really talking about the New York city new system and whether it was ethical or not. Um, and we also talked, and I think Dr. Myers was on that too, because we also talked about the issue that, um, sometimes in the field when we're calling patients, we kind of lose the ability to, uh, be able to use them for organ donors if we, if we don't take them to the right facility. So anyway, that was kind of the point of the podcast and sorry that you were offended and, we, uh, we appreciate the, we, we still appreciate the input. Also had somebody email and say, Hey, uh, we want to do a collegiate EMS topic. So we're going to do that next week, collegiate EMS on the garage. And they're going to be talking about, um, Tufts emergency response system out there in Massachusetts. And I'm pretty excited about it. So there, apparently there's a national collegiate EMS foundation. And we're hoping to have somebody on from them. So uh, join us next week when we talk about that issue. And uh, boy, 2011, who knew I'd get actually more organized with the podcast. So it's kind of fun. I'm Chris Montero, Geeky Medic. Join us next time when we talk more about issues that concern you in EMS. Have a great day, night, weekend, whatever you're doing. Bye.